0: Let's magnify him together for a little bit tonight. God, you're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be praised. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. This week has been Youth Week, and today has been, of course, their final Sunday morning in youth class. And while not necessarily asked, to make this focus tonight, I felt it would be appropriate for me to wrap up Youth Week with a special message to our young people specifically tonight and to anyone in the house that feels like they want to be used of the Lord. Is it all right with you tonight? I want to make sure that all of our young people have an opportunity to be connected and I know we crowd in here on Sunday night. So I have some chairs sitting over here to my right side. For you young people, anyone that may not be able to be right here in the front, I want you to be able to be up in the front. If you can't be here, I want you to take these chairs and set out, particularly those of you that feel that God is calling you to do a work for him. I want you to just come and gather with us here, particularly if you have a call to ministry in your life. I want you to come and sit here in these white chairs to my side tonight. The Lord has been so good to us and he's blessed us with bountiful blessings. When I look back over my life and I think about where I would be without the Lord and without him working in my life and without his grace and mercy, where would I be? Anybody feel that way tonight? Anybody feel that way tonight? Where would we be without the Lord? Where would we be without the Lord? Let's just talk to the Lord right now. Would you, Lord, we need your help tonight. God, throughout this room as I speak what you have laid upon my heart for this moment, I'm praying, God, that every heart and every life and every individual would receive from the Word of God tonight every person that feels a nudge in their spirit to do more for you. I pray that I speak to them, particularly to these young people tonight that may not know what direction to take and may not know what to do for their future and may not know how to develop the call of God that you have placed in their life and they feel the urge to go further but they don't know where to go. I want to speak specifically to them tonight and I need your help. I need the unction of the Holy Ghost. I need you to help me tonight, Lord, to speak what you would have me speak. Anoint the lips of clay tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. First Samuel chapter 17. First Cham- Samuel chapter 17. If you have your Bibles and would like to turn with me tonight, we're going to read just for a moment. Beginning with verse number 40 reading down through verse number 49. This is a very familiar story that many of our children could tell us the end result of this great story, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And he took a staff in his hand and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, and even in a scrip, his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistines. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth. I want you to say that with me, for he was but a youth and ruddy, and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air, and to the beasts of the fields. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. What faith. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistine this day and to the fowls of the air and to the beast, wild beast of the earth. that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with a sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into your hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and he took thence a stone and he sling it and he smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to I know we've already prayed, but I want to do so once again tonight that the Lord would allow us to speak what he really is wanting to speak tonight. Father, we need your help. For the next few minutes, I pray, God, that the seriousness of what I want to speak tonight rest upon these young men and women that are here tonight. Upon every person that is seeking your will and direction for their life, I'm praying, God, that you speak. Let your word accomplish the purpose for which it is sent. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I often hear the complaints of people. We're all complainers. Why are we such complainers? I often hear the complaints of people. It's usually in a, not as direct as indirect, but you pick it up in their actions, in their words, in the rumor mill, in the he said, she said. I know y'all know nothing about that. And hear the complaints of people, particularly those who fuss over, I'm called, but I'm not used. I want to settle some issues tonight with these good young people. Don't we have a great youth group? I want to settle some issues with them. I want to help them. I want to help you to understand some things tonight about opportunities. Whether you're getting opportunities that you want or not getting the opportunity that you want. We often feel overlooked. We all do. I stand in the pulpit sometimes and preach every week, and oh, Lord, have mercy. Today was one of those days. I would have given two toes off of my left foot if I could have just done a last-minute call and said, be instant tonight because I'm out. It appears that there's a lot of limelight. There's a lot more lime than light, I promise. The stage seems well lit. The path seems popular. Regardless whether it is pulpit ministry, missions work, music ministry, on the platform, leading a ministry team, teaching a Sunday school class, Working in any field of labor, there is always a certain sense of gratification and satisfaction that comes from knowing that you have been chosen. Now, that's not all bad, but there with being chosen also comes some responsibilities. There's a lot of people filled with good words. But if you're going to be used of God in the way that God really wants to use you, the words and the life have to merge. They have to match up. So tonight, by the help of the Lord, I want to preach for a little bit on the process of being chosen. The process of being chosen. Contrary to popular belief, it is not being at the right place at the right time. However, I will tell you this, being at the wrong place at the wrong time isn't going to help you. But being chosen is more than being at the right place in the right time or being put in front of the right people while all of those things positioning is part of the process. But positioning is something that must happen way down the line. Long time before somebody positions. Here's where the problem lies in ministry. Is it okay if I'm real tonight? The problem in ministry is that we get the idea of positioning, but we leave out the labor of the process. well, I'm not going to get much help tonight. Opportunity will not be handed to you just because you show up. Faithfulness is a very important element to ministry. I cannot stress enough tonight. The importance of faithfulness in every area of your life. Faithfulness in your walk with the Lord. Faithfulness in your prayer life. Faithfulness to the house of God. Faithfulness in support of ministry and leadership. Faithfulness in your finances. Faithfulness in every area of your life. These are all very important areas of your life. And if there's one area of faithfulness that is weak, your ministry and your calling will be interrupted because of the lack of faithfulness in a particular area. We must not move into an arena of thinking that says, well, this is just me and people need to look over this and be more forgiving of this area of weakness in order to be used in ministry and in leadership. It requires us to be found faithful in every area of our life. We can't ask to be excused or exempt from certain areas of faithfulness. However, just because you are faithful and show up does not mean that you are going to be chosen. Some people have the idea that faithfulness over fruitfulness is God's plan. That is incorrect. Faithfulness that produces fruitfulness is God's plan. Can I go a step further and say that there are a lot of people that feel like I need an opportunity to be able to step out in ministry. Many people are always looking for the opportunity outside of the arena of where they are. The Bible colleges are full of the mentality I've taught there. I've been part of the leadership of Bible college and I certainly am in favor of Bible college. I don't think it is a necessity, but I think it is an advancement and I do believe it is a good thing. Not for everybody, but for most it is a great step to be able to take. But there is a mentality that is it is not taught by the Bible college instructors. Please don't get this wrong but it is a mentality among many of the attenders of Bible College that all that needs to happen is an opportunity away from home needs to be posed to me, and that is my ticket to stardom. I want to help you understand tonight that if you are not faithful in the few things and the small things where you are, it's very doubtful that you're going to do any more when you get to wherever you are going to. Opportunities are not going to be handed out just because you show up. The Bible even teaches this idea. Well, pastor, I'm called, pastor, I'm called. If I had a dollar for every time I've been told someone was called when I have not seen the faithfulness and fruitfulness of God in their life, The Bible teaches that many are called, but few are chosen. I'm preaching the process of being chosen because I love you and I love these young people tonight in a special way and I want to see them successful and I want to see them move forward and do great things. There are many gifted and talented people that could be used in many areas Of this world that are never chosen in the work of the Lord. Many are gifted and feel like God has promised them some things in their future. But they never walk in that promise. I want to preach about the process of being chosen. There is a reason that many people are never chosen. They disqualify themselves from being chosen but trying to shortcut the process that is required in order to be chosen. Let me go a step further. Or they try to write their own script on this is how that I am going to be chosen when the Bible gives us many infallible proofs that give us direction on the idea of the process of development of ministry and how we're going to be used and how God is going to work in our life. Let me set a few things straight. Just because someone feels a call of God in their life, but their life is not producing morality, If they're not standing, living truth in truth and in godliness and in righteousness and in holiness, they are disqualifying themselves from an opportunity to minister. And the first thing that the hypocrite wants to do is they want to blame the church and leadership that it's their fault that I am not being used Many are gifted and feel like God has promised them things in their future, but they never walk in that promise. Why? Because God will always require a process before He reveals their promise. Too many people fail to understand the process of ministry. It does not matter what kind of ministry it is. Ministry is birthed. Ministry is birthed. It comes with a birthing. There's some mamas in the house that ought to say amen. Because you understand what it means when I talk about the birthing process. And tonight I want to relay a a little section of this message, if I may, to the idea that ministry is born. And if ministry is born, there must be a birthing. And the birthing process of ministry often comes from those who are over you in the Lord. So we live in a day that is much different than the day of some of our elders because we live in a day of, Pastor, give me opportunity, give me ministry. Let me ask you tonight why should anyone owe us anything? That ministry idea that Pastor's been talking about did not just pop up in his head one day and get shared with the congregation, but there is a process a birthing process to that ministry. There is prayer and sweat and sleepless night and labor and planning and failure. Can I be real with you? Oh, I wish I could get a stronger amen. Can I be real with you tonight? If everything that I've ever set out to try was successful, Number one, I'd be a millionaire. And number two, none of you would even be able to speak to me because I would be so high and lofty and lifted up in myself. But failure often keeps us in check. While I don't walk to the pulpit and talk about every failure in my life, I have to tell you that not every ministry that we start or establish, not every idea that I bring to the the leadership team or ministry team is successful without changing and modifying and failure and starting over and a relaunch and a rebirth and a restart until we finally find something that works. Leadership must be familiar with failure and not take failure so personal that it stops you. And as pastor, if I sense that your failure in doing something would cause you to backslide and leave the church, I will advise you to never start it. Well, pastor told me no. I don't understand why pastor told me no. Because I am concerned about your spirit, about your living for God, about your life, about your soul. And I would rather you be told no now than try to pick up the pieces of a fragile life that has been broken by failure. Is this okay for a Sunday night? I know you're feeling like it's it's Wednesday night or you're feeling like it's youth class, but it's. It, I hope it ends up a little more than that. That ministry idea has been birthed in sleepless nights. What we don't understand is that ministry in the church is born and birthed in the wee hours of the morning in the pastor's heart and spirit in life. It'd be much easier if I was preaching this to a different congregation tonight. It's a lot harder to preach this at home than it would be to preach it somewhere else. Because I want to be real with you about a few things tonight and I got to be careful because I don't want to offend some of you when I'm preaching to your young people and to your kids tonight because it might strike home with some of you. But let me tell you tonight that ministry is a birthing. Pastor lays in bed at night and weeps over the ministry. Weeps over God. How can I direct? How is this going to happen? What can we do? And it begins to become precious to you. And it gets rocked and cradled in the pastor's arms and protected. And this ministry this work that we've got to do it gets protected and loved and cherished and prayed over and and written about and talked to and pampered and the diapers get changed in the wee hours of the morning come on somebody and he's labored over it and he's sweat over it and somebody comes and says why don't you just give me that ministry because I'm more qualified than anybody else and pastor steps back well pastor's got a problem in giving up things you know he's a control freak you know Is a problem giving something over. Why don't you just hand your baby over to somebody when it's about a year old? When you've birthed it and you've laid awake over it and sweated over it and slept and and, and gotten up in the middle of the night and prayed over it and cried over it and worried over it and, and then all of a sudden, here, let me just take it and just hand it over to somebody and say, here, just take my baby and you run with my baby and you make my baby happen. That's why... That when pastor comes to somebody and says, I see potential in you, and I do. I see something in you. I want to hand you something. I want to ask you to serve somewhere. I'm going to ask you, you, would you serve in an area of the church? Let me help you understand. Branson, that I didn't wake up this morning and decide. I think I'll just ask Branson to do this. Because while I was cradling it in the wee hours of the morning, I'm saying, God, lay a burden for this baby on somebody. God, let somebody love this baby like I love this baby. Let somebody love this ministry like I do. Let somebody cradle it like I do. Let someone see the importance of this ministry like I do. Because if we're not careful, what happens is is that the the ministry gets handed off. And and come up here and help me right quick. The ministry gets handed off. Listen, I love you and I care. Man, you're, you're awesome. You're good. I want to put something in your hands. You understand? This is precious to me. It is something. It means a lot to me. But I see potential in you. I want you to take it. And you know what happens? All right. I got it. Now I'm going to rename the baby. Refocus the baby. Change everything about the baby. Do a makeover with the baby. Because it's my baby. You gave it to me. Keep your hands off of my baby. Because you gave it to me. It's not yours no more. And so a few weeks, rock on. And pastor comes by and says, hey, I wanted to, I wanted to check on my baby. How's things going? What's going on? What does that mean? How's it going? Are you praying over it? Eh, yeah. How you feeling? Mary? You know, it's hard. And then before long, pastor comes back again and again and we're not seeing any productivity with the baby. The baby's just kind of in your arms, but we're not seeing any growth in the baby, not seeing any development in the baby, not seeing the baby progress, not seeing the baby grow, not seeing the baby do anything. Before long, pastor comes in and, you know, it's like, hey, hey, be careful. Don't drop my baby. Don't, don't let my baby get hurt. Don't, don't let my baby fail. Oh, you! Oh, I wish I could get this through like I feel it tonight. I wish I could help you understand that ministry is a birthing. And we need to take seriously. No matter, well, it's nothing. You know, it's just bringing water. It's just doing something small. We need to take serious every. Opportunity we have to serve in the kingdom of God because it is important. Souls are at stake. Lives are at stake. A journey with me a few minutes tonight to a location near to Bethlehem in the ancestral home of the shepherd boy named David. He tended his father's sheep. On a Judean hillside, he knew the area like the back of his hand. He poured oil on the rim of viper holes and protected his flock. He knew where every outcropping was. He knew where every gorge was. He knew the valley below like the back of his hand. He knew where the good waters were. He understood it. One particular day. He noticed in a distance as the constant wind and rain had fell and dislodged a boulder at the top of the mountain and it comes rolling down the hill. It tipped and tossed and flipped and rolled breaking into pieces and fragmented into smaller rocks and eventually crumbled into smaller pieces until only a small stone was left. Then over the course of time, the rain, the wind, the floods, the storm eventually pushed the pebbles into a cool, swift stream. There in the valley of Elah, the process of smoothing began to take place. And there they are washed and pushed around in the current rubbing together. Eventually the sharp edges become smooth. And they become well rounded, and perfectly usable. In the sling. Then one day, years later, the young shepherd waded into the stream, looks for five smooth stones, because the task that before him, was before him, was of utmost importance. Then he picked up the stones and placed them into a pouch, until the day the stone was chosen from the five to slay the giant. We all want to be known as the one that slayed the giant. But we don't want the process of being dislodged and whipping and turning and crumbling and breaking and being washed and Chipped and rubbed until we become usable. I want to give you a few points to take home with you. I hope I'm not dumbing this down too much tonight and making it too simple. I want every young person in this room tonight to be able to clearly understand what their pastor is preaching. Particularly if you have a call of God on your life. But the first thing... Before that stone could ever be chosen, it had to be separated from its world. Oh, God help us. And the separation from its world broke its lives in pieces. Oh, I feel the help of the Holy Ghost tonight. Say the word consecration with me tonight. You've got to consecrate yourself if you want to be used of the Lord. You have to be separate from the rest of the world. If your conversation sounds like the rest of the world, you're not ministry material. If your actions are like the rest of the world, you are not ministry material. You've got to come out from among your world and be separate. And it's painful and it's a breaking and it is a consecration. But you cannot stay connected to the world around you and be used in a calling of ministry. A lot of folks, well, i got to call to God on my life, but they want to live however, and they have a reputation that that precedes them. If you're going to be used in ministry, you must understand, well, I don't care what people think about me. You need to care what people think about you. If you're going to be called in ministry, you have to follow the pattern of Jesus who found favor in the eyes of God, and he found favor with man. Bible scholars that are questioning me tonight. Luke 2 and 52 by the way. For Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You've got to grow in favor. You must care what people think about you. You must care what you, what people say about you and how people look at you. I don't care. I don't care. whether You don't care but you want to tell me you have a call of ministry. You better start caring about what people think. Well, I want to reach the lost, but I don't really care what people think about me. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. If you're going to win a soul, you must be wise, and you must have a good reputation. right. had to be separated from its world. Secondly, it had to be... Brought down. Gold, the most precious of metals, is found not on the mountains, not on the hillsides, but in the valleys, in and near and around the streams. Because over the course of time, that which is the most precious. Has to be willing to be brought down. If you feel like that God is allowing you to go through some things that is taking you down and you feel frustrated and you feel like giving up and quitting, it may just be that God is trying to check some things in you and see if you really have what it takes to be able to stand. When the rest of the world won't stand, do you have what it takes to be able to stand and say, I will let you bring me down to wherever you have to bring me to so that I can be used of you when the time comes that I can be used? God resists the proud. Look at your neighbor and tell him. Get down off your high horse. The way up is down, the way to greatness is submission. The Bible, there's a whole thread through the scripture and I won't take the time to bore you young people with all of these things tonight. But either we will fall on the stone and be broken or the stone will fall on us and it will grind us to powder. I know I'm taking this a little out of context tonight. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. I know he was talking about the cross. But when we get lifted up, Jesus is not getting lifted up. When we get the glory, we're taking glory that belongs to the Lord. It's not me, but it is him. In case you wonder, the best messages that I preached didn't come from a book somewhere. Didn't come. It came straight from heaven it, in, in a throne room of prayer somewhere. When God spoke to me, it didn't come off of an internet website. It wasn't a click it and preach it. It wasn't 599 sermons. But it came in prayer and in labor of fasting and being brought down to where God could talk to my spirit. Most people want to be used because they want the spotlight. If your motive for ministry is to be noticed, you're in the wrong business. Because you will be noticed, but you'll also be noticed by all the haters and all the aggravators and all the agitators and all the rest of the tater family. Because when you stand in the spotlight, you become a clear target for the enemy and you become a clear target for every evil word and every person that doesn't have a right spirit will try to bring you down to where they are never stoop when you go down you go down because God has laid it upon your heart and you know that submission is the key you must not bow to evil you must stand against evil but submit yourself to godly leadership submit yourself to the Lord humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in do time. The smallest of words are responsible for the greatest and most of failures. It's the word I. 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 Or me. 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 A farmer had a pond. In the pond, he had two ducks and a frog. A tree grew near the pond, and it grew quite well. The pond began to dry up because of drought. It kept getting lower and lower until finally one day there was no water left. The ducks had nowhere to swim, nowhere to drink. And the frog was destined to death. So they put a plan together under the tree that was fading and falling and its limbs were breaking because of the lack of water. They put a plan together. And the frog said, if the tree would lend us its limb and my two good friends, the ducks, would put... One edge of the limb in its mouth, and the other put the other end of the limb in its mouth. Then I could hang on to the limb with my mouth, and you two could fly in unison together and take me over to Farmer Brown's because I've been there before I came here to lodge. And there's a great lake there with plenty of water. Good idea, the duck said. The tree agreed. They all got together. Trees talk in this story. They all got together. They chose the right twig. The duck on the left and the duck on the right take the limb in their mouth. The frog latches on with great tenacity to the limb and away they fly and over the farmer's house across the field to the final barn and they were were now reaching a point of no return in their journey halfway between death and glory. And the farmer on the edge of his field looked up and he said, "Wow, would you look at that? Whose idea was that?" And the frog said, "It was mine." And the story ends Me will lead to failure. We don't have to get the credit for everything that happens. Learn to pass the credit off to others. Learn to promote what others are doing. Don't get in competition with other people. Tolerate other people's mistakes and failures. Don't get boasted and lifted up and say, I would have never done it that way. You may not know what you would do until you're in that position. So it had to be dislodged and removed from its world. The stone had to be brought down. The stone had to be broken, chipped away and ground on. It would have never been able to be chosen in the first place to even be put among the five others before it could ever have been the final chosen stone to have been thrown out of the sling to slay the giant. But there was a breaking that the stone had to endure. James Kilgore, the late James Kilgore, one of my heroes as a young man, a man that I always respected and looked up to, he was a man of brokenness. He was a man of prayer and a man of brokenness, and I so loved the spirit of James Kilgore as I would sit near him and around him and take every opportunity I had just to be in his presence, as I would listen to him talk. Often simple, basic stories, little lessons that he would would tell. One day as I sit in the barber shop, waiting with several other Bible college students, and we're waiting in line, in walks Brother Kilgore. We're sitting there waiting, several of us waiting in line to get our hair cut. I happened to be in the barber's chair. I wanted to get out of the chair right then, mid-haircut. And allow him to take a seat, and he came in and sat down. I got out of the chair, and somebody else stood, and they said, It's my turn to go, but Brother Kilgore, I want you to go. He said, No, young man, no, no, I'm going to wait my turn. No, I insist. The whole room insisted until finally, Brother Kilgore rose from his chair. After much persistence, he sat in the chair. He received his haircut as he exchanged pleasantries and talked, began to talk ministry and life with the young men sitting there as we sit around literally at his feet. When he finished with his haircut, he got up. He paid the lady several times the amount that she originally was going to charge for the haircut. She said no. She said no no charge. He reached in his wallet and paid her several times the amount of what the haircut should have been. He turned and instead of walking out the door, he walked to the back room. He opened a closet door. He obviously knew his way around. He picks up a broom. He brings it out. He comes to the chair where... The next gentleman had just sat down to get a haircut and he begins to sweep the floor. He swept up the hair, his and everybody else's. Everybody sit around amazed as he was sweeping and talking to us about ministry. I wanted to get up and take, take the broom out of his hand, but he was teaching a lesson and when I said, could, could, I, could I do that? He said, no, you can do it next time. And he swept and talked about servanthood and talked about brokenness and talked about humility and talked about being willing to serve and the lessons that I was learned. Never get too big to think your calling is greater than the service of ministry. Does that mean that he was weak? Listen, the strongest would is that which endures the roughest and harshest of conditions. From the twisting and the bending and even the breaking of the softer branches comes the strength, the strength and the stability of the tree. They say the greatest lumber from the Northwest Territories come from the sides of the mountains that have the most wind and the most fierce weather and the roughest condition because it prepares them for something greater. Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. I don't know if God could ever use me. I don't know. I don't know what God could ever do for do with my life. I came here tonight to tell you the devil is a liar. You've been through it because God is developing some things in you. God is putting you in a position. He's taking you through some things that other people have never been through because he plans on using you. And until you've been through it, I'm going too long, aren't I? It had to be smoothed. If you're going to be used in ministry, your rough edges have to be smoothed. Well, I am who I am. Mm -mm. If you're going to be used in ministry, no matter where you are in ministry, you've got to let God work on the rough, ed- rough edges. And you have to work on your rough edges. And when you marry a wife, it better be somebody that can work on your rough edges. Because if nobody can tell you anything, chances are you're never going to make any changes. And chances are your rough edges are going to be abrasive to everybody you get around. And it will be your greatest disaster some of the greatest leaders that I know are affected by rough edges that they refuse to allow to be smoothed by, by rubbing shoulders with people that are just trying to smooth them up because if they would allow themselves to be smoothed up and be able to be used you see you can't do much in a sling with a rough stone but when it has been smoothed over the years of rubbing with other rocks and the water and the waves and the wind that is moving it about in the stream it will finally make it usable. Pastor, what does that mean? I'm talking about some of the things you go through and let me also talk about the anointing because there is nothing that can smooth you up any more than the anointing can smooth you up. There's some physical work that you've got to do, but you must be anointed. You need the oil of God saturating your life, softening up your rough edges, smoothing you up, making you usable in the kingdom of God. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's not talent. Anointing cannot be duplicated. Anointing has a source that is found in brokenness. And finally, the stones had to be willing to endure not being chosen. And once they were chosen, they had to endure not being used. There were five stones in the bag, but there was only one chosen for the job. Four rocks didn't get to kill the giant, but they went through all the same process as the one that got chosen. Never until we get to a point that we no longer have competition one with another. And we're worried about, well, who's getting the opportunity and who's not getting the opportunity. As long as you're there, you're nowhere ready for ministry. Until you reach a point where you're more interested in the outcome than you are the credit. I knew this wasn't going to fly. I love you anyway. I'm trying to help somebody tonight. I'm trying to help some young people develop ministry in them. If they'll get a hold of what I'm preaching to them tonight, I'm going to tell you something. We've got some missionaries going to come out of this church. We've got some evangelists going to come out of this church. We have some church planners. We have some songwriters. We have some ministers, some ministry, some pastors, some pastor's wives, some preachers of the gospel that are going to do mighty things for the kingdom of God. But it's going to take the preaching and it's going to take submission and it's going to take willingness for parents to heed what the preacher's preaching Reminding them as they are growing and developing. Get in line with what is going on in your life. It had to get past not being used. One rock had to trust the king to decide when it was time to be used. That it was going to be used in a method and in an area and in a way that it had never been used before. One stone was a one-hit wonder. Four others may have become paperweights, yet they went through the process. I close with this. Cheryl, come give these poor young people some hope. This was supposed to go gone better. I told somebody this the other day, if you're going to have ministry, you have to want it more than you want life itself. If somebody comes to you and says, if a preacher gets up here and lies to you and tells you, well, I really was running from God and I didn't want ministry and it just came looking for me, that's probably not the truth. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to have a ministry, you've got to want it more than you want life itself. Because you'll be given more opportunities to quit, to throw in the towel, and just reasons to stop. You'll be tempted with every... The recruiters are out, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you what I'm doing right now. And the purpose of this ministry is I am recruiting young leaders for the future of this church. I am recruiting some young people in this church because the recruiters are out. And if you think the recruiters are not out, open your eyes because the world is full of recruiters that are vying for their time, vying for their their, their focus, vying for their energy, vying for everything in their life. Get your focus on the Lord. Get your focus on the things of God. Care more about the work of God than you care about anything else. Fame, fortune, finances, education are all good in its place. But if you're going to have ministry, you've got to love it more than you love life itself. You've got to want it more than you want life itself. You've got to work for it more than you would work for anything else in this world. You've got to give yourself to it. You have to consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart and declare, yes, God, this may not be the path Mama wanted me to choose, but this is what you're calling me to do. Just reach out to the Lord right now. The recruiters of this world are vying for your attention. They want to sidetrack you of your purpose, they want to get you caught up in everything else. Don't ever forget your greatest calling. Don't ever ever forget what God is nudging and urging in your spirit. Don't let the devil talk you out of what God has spoken in your life. Let's stand to our feet tonight and just reach out to the Lord. I feel such a heavy burden in the house tonight. I feel such a heavy burden in my spirit tonight. If you feel like responding, if God's laying something on your heart, I'm going to just open this congregation up tonight to respond to whatever God is speaking to you. I'm off my notes. I'm off my plan. I don't have a clue where we're going from here, but God is going to do something amazing before we leave tonight. Can you submit to him? Can you submit to his process? Can you submit to what he's speaking and wanting to do in your life? Me speak to the adults tonight. The call of God is without repentance. And some of you have been running and fighting God over something you know that He's spoken into your spirit. You need to respond to what I preached to these young people tonight as well because God's ministering to you just as well in this house tonight. We need to fill this place up. We need to make this place a prayer room for just a little while tonight. We need to reach out to Him tonight. Oh God. It's a time of consecration. It's a time of consecration. Yes. Would you say yes to him tonight? Would you say yes to him tonight? Would you say yes to him tonight? I'm recruiting you to be a worker in the kingdom of God. The greatest soul winners need to come out of Christian Light Church youth ministry. The greatest Bible study teachers could be birthed in this house tonight. The greatest servants, the greatest laborers. It's not about the stage, it's not about the microphone. Lead me, Lord, I'll follow. Lead me, Lord, I'll follow. Oh, come on, ministers, help me tonight. Spiritual adults in the house, help me tonight. Come lay hands on these young people. Pray over them. Let the Lord lead you. Let the Holy Ghost lead you tonight. God's doing deep works in in people's lives tonight. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So you say. Come on, you've come too far to turn around. You've come too far to walk away. You've come too far to say no today. It's not too late to redirect your path. It's not too late to say yes to the Lord. Oh, yes. you go ahead and surrender to the Lord tonight go ahead and submit to him wholeheartedly tonight so you